All right. Good morning, everybody. We're recording a morning <laughs> version of uh, the Turnbuckle Post today. I am Johnny Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Jesse the Body. Jesse, how are we doing, buddy? Well, after a few tries, we finally got on live. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> we, uh, it was definitely our uh, our version of the AEW uh, exploding barbed wire deathmatch fail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was bad. <laughs> About five times I tried to send the link to Jesse and it wouldn't it wouldn't do anything and then he finally it finally connected to you and then it was like I had no volume no sound no nothing so oh so you heard my intro but you couldn't say anything I couldn't hear you at all no oh, okay yeah so uh, that I was like I'm just gonna turn this off and start over so <laughs> so thankfully we're finally here uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different you know usually we are a little bit more heavy towards wwe um jesse kind of came to me and was like i would like to do a review of a you know AEW all out and then talk about some things that are going on um with wwe creative and uh, i think i think that's how we'll close out the show because uh, i think really what happened at the end of all out uh is directly tied to some of the things that WWE has not done well, um, and we can we can talk about that, or not, not only say not done well, just done differently to a point that people don't want to work there. I guess. Yeah, it's gotten it's got. I mean, and this has just been in a matter of. I mean, we'll talk about it more as we get into the show. But yeah, uh, first of all, I want to say that I was skeptical about AEW at first. I thought, all right, they got this big money behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just starting up. I thought maybe they turn into another impact, but man, they, they are catching up and they mm-hmm. are catching up pretty well. I mean, this is WWE cannot honestly sit back and say that AEW is not competition now after what happened at all out. I yeah. Mean, they have to acknowledge them as competition and just try to get better. Like what they did back in the, in the Monday night war days. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, and like, we're not here to say, you know, it's not neck and neck, but, but I think, you know, as far as how much this company's come in two years, um, I think they are a big. I think they will be a threat at some point. Um, but, but like you said, I mean, at this point, WWE is a is a global conglomerate, so um, it's going to be it's going to take a lot to to get on that level as, as far as in fans' eyes and things like that. But um, one thing I will say about this show before we even really get into it is. Um, I was very critical of early AEW pay-per-views. I watched, I think I've watched all of them. Um, and the early ones were like a car crash. Every match had to have like a big gimmicky spot or, um, you know, it was just, there was no break. There was no, there was no ebb and flow to, to the, to the shows. And with, uh, double or nothing back in May. And then now with all out. I think they're hitting the right stride. It's not, it's not a constantly pounding the audience with, um, you know, visual stimulation or having, having to have big, you know, production value or anything like that. They're actually just pacing it out with, you know, big moments and then, then a grid match that's solid, but slow. And then building up to a main event that's supposed to blow everything else away. Um, And I, I think maybe that's part of them getting a little more comfortable in their own skin. But but uh, I don't know how much of that you have seen, but uh, but I feel like their pacing and their 
their structure of their shows has become a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still an issue, and I'm going to talk about it more with the signings where um, AEW is giving maybe just a little bit too much creative freedom to the performers. Mm-hmm. It's like it, there's no happy medium. They're not reeling their performers in enough, and WWE is doing it too much. So there's yeah. no happy medium there with either company as far as where this, where where there has to be a good amount of creative control to the performers, but also to the company to reel them in when necessary. Yeah, no, I think, and I, I think there's a good, there's a balance to things. And uh, like you said, I think these two are on uh, opposite sides of the scale and it's, you know, one leans really hard one way and one leads really hard the other. And I think, I think, like you said, I think the better thing for wrestling would be to come to the middle and say, okay, we can have these creative professionals and then we can have these wrestlers have their input and a 50, 50 split or, or 60, 40. But like you said, right now it seems like a you know eighty twenty, if 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 even that, and maybe more than that, depending on um, the situation. But and and we've seen like, and I know WWE has given a lot more leeway to guys like Roman Reigns. Um, a lot of his promos and things like like uh, as he's done the Tribal Chief thing have been unscripted um, from what from what he has said. So uh, I think maybe they're starting to see that error that ways, but. I don't know if everyone else in the company has the trust that, you know, number two on the PWI ranking Roman Reigns has. Well, um, and, and it goes to the fact that, too, that Roman, I think, has that good balance because he's he's smart and he's not going into business for himself. Yeah. He's saying things that will benefit him, but also the company. And I, and I think that's where the where, where it needs to be. At this wanting to attack WWE or, or mention them, WWE is not yeah. doing that. They're not, they're not yeah. acknowledging AEW. I mean, at some point, they may have to, but right now they're yeah. concentrating on their own product. And and even still, even with that being said, they're not really concentrating on, the, on their product good enough. I mean, I just... Yeah. You well, all this talent, and you have... You know, you're having constant rematches, or you're having dumb, stupid segments with the 24-7 title, or or these talk shows are having Logan Paul come on who nobody gives a damn about. I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It, it's frustrating as a fan. <laughs> it really is. I mean, like you said, there's, there's too many talk shows. I mean, not everybody's going to be Piper's pit. Um, you know, there's, they have talented people, but they're not using them. And it's like, uh, like you said, it's just, uh, it's, and it's constant. I mean, and, and the thing, you know, that I kind of talked to you about in, in our, you know, private conversations. And, and, and the thing that with these free agent signings is, you know, WWE is like, um, uh, like a McDonald's. Um, it's a recognizable brand. You kind of, you kind of know what you're going to get going into it. You know, these other companies, and I'm not even just saying AEW, but they're like a local independent, you know, family restaurant. That, you know, they have to have something good on the menu to get people to come in and, and, and to be like, oh, wow, yeah, recommend that to someone else. Recommend that to someone else. And I, and I think that, you know, the guys that they're bringing in, the Adam Coles, the Brian Danielsons, the CM Punks, that's their, you know, that's their special of the week, uh, you know, to really draw out that analogy. But and I don't know if you see it that way or not. And, and I don't mean to degrade uh, WWE. WWE by saying that they're McDonald's, but 
but that's kind of the idea. Is, no, I, I see. I see the analogy you're going for. It's like McDonald's is. Yeah. To put it in perspective, McDonald's is the largest fast food brand in the in in the world. I mean, no, <laughs> everybody that's anybody knows who McDonald's is. Exactly. But it only satisfies for a short amount of time. You eat the food, and then you're like, okay, that was okay, that that was good. But then you, know, but then you go to maybe like an Arby's. Who's mm-hmm. maybe not not as more well known? You get a little bit more filling on that on that appetite, yeah. but then you'll crave McDonald's again eventually. I mean, it, yeah. I think that's kind of the analogy that that at least I'm yeah for <laughs> yeah a little bit. And and I think with with uh, WWE, I think they, you know, I think the and uh, this is kind of more meant for the end of the show, but I think they're more looking at their uh, wrestlers, their talent, their you know referees, their creative people as expendable expendable assets. Whereas, uh, you know, each individual person has value for these other companies. If they can go out and say, oh, yeah, we got a we picked up a Diana Perrazzo um, and we're doing a lot with her. Like. Um, as a verse to, you know, WWE is a machine like they can make whatever they want out of anybody they want. Um, and because they are WWE is the show, they don't need to have that. Hulk Hogan or that Stone Cold Steve Austin um, or that, I mean, and even that Roman Reigns. I mean, I mean, if Roman wasn't on the show, people would still watch SmackDown is my, is my, is my other point on that. Yeah. And, and I think you're just, you're looking at not, I and mean, I'm not saying one, one approach is better than the other. I'm just saying there's two sides to, to the same business. There's two different approaches to the same business. And, and I think we're seeing that more and more and, and it, and I guess it's just a, it's a personal preference thing. And, that, and that's what I get. That's what I don't understand about about the internet fans. It's like, yeah. it's like you, you can you can enjoy both. You can have McDonald's and you can have Arby's and you can enjoy both and be yeah. satisfied by both. I right. mean, one may be better than the other, but you can still, but you'll still go back go back to that. And it's like you know all these yeah. all these people. Want, I had a discussion with somebody the other day about well, AEW is signing all this talent. I'm like, well, where are they going to get the TV time? I said they're yeah. signing all this talent, but they're not. Well, they're they're in, and then he brought up the point. Well, they're you know with these other companies they can send them to impact and new Japan. I said, that's great. But a lot of these companies don't have the national cable exposure that AEW and WWE have impact is on access. How many households in America have access TV? Not many. many yeah. Yeah. How many, how many um, households in America have, um, I can't remember what channel uh, ROH is on. Uh, it's one of the Sinclair channels. I don't, I don't remember, but yeah, I yeah, know. And, I, and that's, I an, that's another, they're, they're not in homes everywhere. And a lot of people aren't going to yeah. take the time to stream this stuff. If, if it's not right out in front of you, people want their fix. Now if it's not yeah. right out in front of you. They're not going to go looking for it. So that's why I brought it to the point. I said, people that come to AEW want to be on AEW television. That's where they know where the exposure is going to be. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I think it's, it's reasonable to question, you know, the, the depth of the roster with the amount of available TV time. And I know uh, AEW Dark and I believe AEW Elevation are going to become more developmental shows uh, taped out of uh, the studios and Universal Studios that they used to use for uh, WCW Worldwide. Oh, wow. Um, so they're going to start doing that. I, I think that starts in October um, or maybe November. But that, that's what they're going with that. Um, and then, obviously, I, I'm hoping they'll add another hour to Rampage and make it a full-blown show. Um, but right now, as you said, it's it's kind of like a main event or uh, maybe SmackDown in its infancy 
there's there's not a whole lot of meat on those bones um so like you said I, I, there's definitely an opportunity there for more tv time it just depends on what turner wants to do or if they can get you know maybe a deal with one of their or not a deal but maybe get put on a different turner station to get more hours in the week but um but i, I think that remains to be seen but but they definitely could use more tv time that's for sure yeah well if you want we can start talking about uh all out. I know that there was yeah. a uh, a uh, pre-show match or kickoff match. Well, they call it the kickoff show on WWE, but I guess they call it a, a buy-in pre-show and yeah. AEW between uh, it was Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta against the uh, and the Jurassic Express against mm-hmm. the Hardy family office of Matt Hardy, Isaiah Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and uh, the Hybrid Two, mm-hmm. and Helico so, and Jack Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, go did ahead, you sir. watch this match or did you just watch the... I, I did not. I, I saw that uh, the Blade made his return at the end of it and uh, the Hardy family office tried to uh, shave Orange Cassidy's head. Um, I really... Uh, I like Orange and I like Chuck Taylor and I like Trent Barreto when he's healthy. And obviously Jungle Boy is probably the future of wrestling. Um, just charismatic as hell and incredibly athletic. Anything that Matt Hardy touches right now, I just I have little to no interest in. Um, he just has not done it for me, um, especially in AEW. But um, I think even in WWE, I think that the the broken Woken stuff was already past its sell sell by date. And uh, I, I've just pretty much tried to stay away from anything Matt Hardy, to be frank. And and that's just another example of not everybody they're going to bring over is going to to get over. It's up to the performer themselves. Yeah, to, to actually do that and not rely on the company, and I think that that's a lot of the misconception is a lot of the wrestlers that come in, oh, AEW is going to have something great for me. It's like, no, you got to come up with something great yourself. Sell it yeah. to them. If they do have something for you, great. But if you have something better, or you think something yeah. that's better, you know, sell it to them that way. There, I read an interest that WWE may have interest in bringing Matt Hardy back and pairing him back up with Jeff. And considering how far off the scope Jeff has fallen, that might not be a bad idea. He yeah. went from defeating Karrion Cross in his in his debut match to doing the twenty four seven title thing this week. I mean, yep. I just... <laughs> he trended worldwide because of that. Yeah, um, I mean, here's a former world champion, two I think two time world champion. Yeah, two time, and that then he his TNA title runs. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you can't find something for him to do. <laughs> the guy's name is the Charismatic Enigma, like there's something for him to do on your television show in three hours. And yeah. it's not chase after the title that Drake Maverick wore around his naked body on his honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> you had to remind me of that. <laughs> they weren't constipated anymore, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without our truth, I don't care a damn about the, our, the 24-7 title. But with with our truth and with Drake Maverick, it was pretty magical. I will admit that that was some good stuff. I mean, I like what Reggie's doing. I mean, I think Reggie's very athletic. I mean, you know, he, yeah. he was a Cirque du Soleil uh, perform, uh, former performer who yeah. just was is just great with the flips and all that. But it's like they need to do something more than just not do the the twenty four seven title thing. Just isn't his thing. He should be doing maybe maybe something with the I don't know, sending the NXT for a while. Cruiserweight title, something like that. I mean, something to get him over a little bit more serious than what they're doing. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, so the pay-per-view in earnest started off with the Redeemer champion Miro facing Eddie <laughs> Kingston for the AEW TNT Championship. And and you want to talk about, you know, like you said, it's on the performer, right? So yeah. Miro, who was Rusev in WWE, um, you know, came up. He was, you know, hot as fire in WWE, came out in a tank, lost to John Cena, and then we know how the rest of his – um, you know, time in WWE went. Um, he debuted in AEW to, you know, little fanfare. Um, he was like a video game character and all this dumb shit. And since breaking away from Kip Sabian and his wife Penelope, Miro has become one of the reasons to watch AEW. And I, I mean that with no hyperbole. I don't mean to overhype it. Like, he is fantastic. His promos are on fire. Like he he's just he's so entertaining. And and it's it's like a he's almost like an Ivan Drago type of, you know, he's doing that type of character. Like um uh he's like uh he said, Darby Allen, you're the man that's not afraid to die. Well, I'm not afraid to kill you. Like, <laughs> but but and it's not like you know my comedic Russian accent, but he's really just he's just really hitting his stride and uh and they, and they may be preparing him because i do believe that cj perry his wife formerly lana and yeah. wwe will be joining him i, I yeah. do believe that and they'll put them together yeah he's been mentioning her quite a bit um and then they have a built-in storyline of he's uh susceptible to ddts and i don't know exactly where they're going with that um but that's been the thing um uh, you saw uh, dante martin tried to ddt him uh fuego del sol tried to do a tornado ddt and then Eddie Kingston, uh, you know, said going into this that uh, his whole idea and his whole strategy was to work on the neck because Eddie Kingston's finisher is a spinning back fist. Um, so you got two of the best, I, I think, the best talkers on on the entire roster um, working in this match together. And it, it was really good. There wasn't any, like, gigantic high spots. There wasn't any, you know, gimmicks or anything like that. It was just, you know, two guys slugging it out. Um, and Miro comes away with the victory with his game over finisher. Um, it's kind of like his, uh, the camel clutch, the accolade that he did in, um, WWE, uh, except now he actually leans back and, uh, chokes him out from behind. It's almost like a rear naked choke. Um, well, said he, he said he won the match with a super kick. Oh, wait a minute. Oh yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. It was pinfall. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, Sorry. Uh, yeah, he actually, yeah, he kicked him in the, in the head. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my bad. I forgot how that one ended. <laughs> it's a good that, finisher for Rusev though, because I mean, yeah. I, I remember him I mean, Miro now. I'm sorry. I'm still calling him Rusev, but no, I, I do it all the time. He had a, he had a pretty, pretty devastating kick in WWE. So I could see how, yeah. they could, how that could be a believable finisher go in, in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, John Moxley defeated, uh, Sasha, Oh man, I'm gonna butcher the shit out of this. Sata Satoshi Kojima, um, who is apparently a, a long timer in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, they're kind of the storyline right now is that John Moxley is he basically is the Forbidden Door. He calls himself the Boogeyman of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So they've been having uh, they had this match. He was supposed to have wrestled, um, uh, excuse me, Tanahashi. At this mat, at this event for um, the uh, New Japan United States title, 
Uh, unfortunately, Tanahashi had some kind of travel issue. So they brought this this other fellow in that I'm not going to try to repeat his name. <laughs> Satoshi Kojima. That's a, there you go. You got it. <laughs> um, and then he was attacked at the end of his match uh, by Minoru Suzuki, who's another big timer from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Moxley won this one with uh, two, or I think he, he did the paradigm shift twice, and then he pinned him. Um, and it was it was a, it was a decent match. Uh, Moxley really uh, wanted like again, wanted, like I said with Miro, like I said with Kingston, uh, great great on interviews, great on hyping up his matches, and uh, he's come up with some creative stuff for him to do. But at, well, at I times, saw, it, I saw some highlights from this, and it seemed like it was a pretty physical match. I mean, we all yeah. know the New Japan style; they wrestle a stiff style anyway. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And I know that Kojima is like 50 years old, but for 50 years old, I mean, he, he hung in there with Moxley and it was, it yeah. was pretty, pretty physical. I mean, it looked like, like a straight up fight. Yeah. If you, if you want to see a good, uh, a good one, they had a Texas death match between him and, um, between Moxley and Lance Archer for the, uh, United or yeah, the United States title not too long ago. And, uh, it was brutal. Um, and then, um, I, I know that, um, uh, shit, I forgot his name already again. The, uh, Minoru Suzuki, I know him and Moxley had a match on this week's Dynamite. I have not watched Dynamite yet. I have. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to later today. Yeah. So, um, and I think I think eventually they're going to get to where he's, you know, fighting the the higher echelon of New Japan pro, pro wrestling talent. Um, but otherwise, it, it just kind of feels like they this is his direction right now because they, they can't put him back in the world title picture. Um, I think we might see him against Miro down the road for the TNT title and um, – uh, that would be a good program as well, um, but like I said, it was a good it was a good middle of the middle of the show match. Um, it wasn't anything special, but it was it was decent. Um, that was followed up by Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, defending her title against Chris Statlander. Um, I was kind of surprised by this one. Um, Dr. Baker, uh, she's she's great. Uh, like I said with Miro, if you're gonna watch AEW. Um, you got to watch it for Brit, for Britt Baker. Um, fantastic. Oh, she, she's become she's become the star of that division. I mean, she was the absolutely first, first woman signed by AEW, and she didn't become the champion right away. She worked her way up to it, but mm-hmm. she has earned the respect of not only her peers but the fans. And she, you could tell, she's the top dog in, in oh, AEW. Yeah. Nobody even comes oh, close. She's she's the alpha female, that's for sure. Um, Chris Statlander is a very, very promising young woman, and um, and I'm surprised that they had uh, Dr. Britt Baker uh, defeat her by submission. Um, I think that means there's going to be a long road for her to hoe to get back up to that to that world title picture. Um, so I'm, I was kind of surprised by that. I thought Statlander would be one of the ones to that could possibly dethrone Britt. I didn't think it would happen this soon. Um, but, but yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that. But And it was a good match. Um, Britt Baker pulled out the uh, Panama Sunrise, uh, the move of her uh, boyfriend, Adam Cole. Uh, but they called it the Pittsburgh Sunrise, and she's from Pittsburgh. Um, and that was kind of cool to see. They've been doing each other's moves back and forth. Uh, during the uh, t- last takeover, Adam Cole did the, uh, the man- mandibular lock that she does as her finisher, the lock jaw. Um, so they've been going back and forth the last few months doing each other's moves. So I thought that was pretty fun, um, that they continued that on, but, uh, but otherwise, did you have any thoughts on that one or? Well, I, I, when I was watching the, um, 
some some of the highlights for it. I know they did a pretty vicious move out on the floor that Statlander fell right away and just kind of went back into the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that was kind of an issue from what I read online with people from the match that she should have sold that a little bit mm-hmm. and not tried to go right into the next move. It seems like they just was trying to rush. And, and that's a problem, honestly, with AEW women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. It is still not on par with where it should be. I mean, it's still no. very low on the totem pole. They, they don't give enough focus to it. Like you said, Britt Baker is, is the top star, and they do need to continue to build the division around her. Mm-hmm. But they are still nowhere near like what the NXT uh, women's. No, not is. at all. No, honestly, and I, I think you know the more women they add, and I think they have enough right now. I, I think they could have their own show, and I, I feel that way about the women in WWE too. And I, and I don't think that it would be a disservice to them to have their own show. I think it would it would have the same fanfare and the same support that, you know, the regular shows do. Um, and I guess maybe that's a discussion for another day. I know NWA just had their first ever all-women's pay-per-view uh, called Empower, um, which was pretty historic uh, before their 73rd uh, anniversary show that they did. Um, so, I, you know, I think I think women's wrestling, men's wrestling, I think we're getting to a point where the gender doesn't matter. People are going to watch wrestling no matter what. And I think it's time for these promoters to really embrace that. And I absolutely agree with what your point was, is there's just not enough focus on it. I mean, even even if what we see in WWE, there's not enough focus on it. Like, well, WWE it, could easily have their own two-hour women's show. All yeah. the women that they have on their roster, they could easily, easily have uh, have a two-hour show every week just focused on the women. But yeah, And people would watch it. But, oh, yeah, big time. But it's, like they, it's just like the cruiserweights. They just intersperse them into the – the other rosters and then it's just oh and we also have this division and i mean it doesn't i mean it's not that it's bad i mean i think the wwe's treated women better in the last five years than they have probably their entire run but uh yeah we're not you like any more bra and panties matches or pudding matches or whipped cream matches or no gravy bowl no. matches or anything you know, anything no absolutely crap. not <laughs> No. So, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's something we can table for another day, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think women in general, just, I think they need more, um, they need to be given more uh, opportunity because I think they would knock it out of the park. I mean, and that's, that's in wrestling in general, but, but yeah, especially in AEW, um, I think they're kind of held back. I mean, they have this, uh, this woman, Jade Cargill, who looks like a, a real life Amazon. Um, just has the most incredible body I've ever seen um, as far as like physically and um, that I know of maybe three times. And it's like, you got to get these people out there more. Um, And I I get the idea of less is more, but you gotta, you gotta showcase this this talent and, and it's, it's not doing it. Um, So, uh, so the fifth match of the night and actually the halfway point, um, this was kind of a, the, a, the first peak of the night. So if it's like peaks and valleys that you're building to, this was like the mid mid card main event, uh, the Lucha brothers, Penta El Ciro Medio, which is my son's favorite wrestler. And Ray Phoenix defeated the young bucks of Matt and Nick Jackson in a absolutely terrific and brutal cage match. Um, I don't know what you saw of it, Jesse, um, but I know the Bucks pulled out a, uh, a Jordan shoe that had tacks laced into the bottom of it. Um, they tried to rip off the Lucha Brothers masks. 
Um, and then uh, Ray Phoenix went absolutely nuts and did some incredible. I, I can't even describe the aerial maneuvers he did. I, I would definitely recommend watching highlights of it online. Um, but just just a really great match. And, and then, you know, I, I will say this later on that that there's these other matches were good because there wasn't a car crash booking of it. And there wasn't the, uh, you know, the quote unquote indie indie style. But this one absolutely was an indie style car crash match um and if you don't like that then you're not gonna like that but um i thought they did a great job and it was really entertaining um i don't know if what, what highlights you saw of that or not yeah man it was crazy i know that the, the match um is a five-star match that a lot of people are talking about um mm-hmm. i know that there was one point where uh penta hit an avalanche canadian destroyer off the top using the cage for balance i mean that's just unreal I remember yeah. seeing that. I'm like, holy crap, man. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a spot fest for sure. But, man, they, they pulled off everything well. And, and I didn't really see any, any mistakes in there at all. No. And, I mean, and it's if you've never watched Ray Fien- I mean, the guy is like a magician. I don't know how he has the balance and in, in, uh, body control that he does. But he does like a 619, but he turns around and then plants on one foot and does like a, a heel kick or like a front kick into the guy's head um it's it's hard to explain but it's it's one of those things once you see it you're like damn that was cool and um and like you said the canadian destroyers i mean and like you said if you don't like that spot fest style you're not gonna like it but but i think for what it was and what i expected out of it it was it was entertaining and these two teams always put on a good show so um the sixth match of the night was actually the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale for a future AEW Women's Championship match. Um, I know, so basically the the Battle Royals in, in AEW are a little bit different than in WWE, and I don't mean different as in like reverse Battle Royals like Vince Russo would book, but <laughs> um, they, they basically break it down by card suits. So, you know, AEW's big thing is like... Uh, doing like poker type analogies and things like that. So people get entered into suits so they, you know, they'll have five people come out that are spades or five people that'll come out that are um, hearts or, or whatever. And then the wild card in this match was uh, Ruby Soho, who was formerly Ruby, Ruby riot in WWE. Uh, she came out at the end and, and won the match. Um, let me see if I can find the other women that were involved. Uh, just give me one second. Sorry. Yeah, here I've got it already. Um, oh, you got the it. Clubs, okay. The clubs was uh, Hikaru Shida, uh, Emmy Sakura, the Bunny Abaddon, and Sky Blue, mm-hmm. and then you have the Diamonds with um, Anna J. I guess she finally returned after an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira Hogan, Kylan King, Diamant or Diamante. Yep. And Nyros, and then you had the Hearts. Um, with Thunder Rose, Penelope Ford, Rio, Jamie Hayter, and then uh, Big Swole, and then mm-hmm. the Spades of Ty Conti, uh, Lila Hirsch, Jade Cargill, Rebel, and then uh, Red Velvet. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Ruby Soho won by last eliminating Thunder Rosa. Um I don't. I didn't really see a whole lot of that one, um, but uh, I, I kind of see where they're going with it. Um, 
And I know they have a confrontation with her and uh, Dr. Britt Baker on this week's episode of Dynamite. I just haven't seen it yet to know know the the significance of it. Um, this was this was another issue that it's like, okay, AEW brought in a former star who was well known in WWE with mm-hmm. Ruby Riot as Ruby Soho, and she actually won the Battle Royal because I think they look at her as in the fans' eyes, she's going to be the next legitimate contender to. Britt Baker, even though she didn't have, especially during the her last run, that great mm-hmm. run in WWE, it's it's more or less that they're putting their, again, their other stars on the back burner for the new WWE X WWE star coming in. I don't know how, how you look at that, but no, and and I agree with that, and I, I see I see the benefit to it um, in, in some cert, certain aspects of it. Um, you know, obviously Ruby Ruby Soho has name recognition his name value. Um, she got a huge pop when she came out. Um, and I think to put her in that position early, uh, is just to bring more focus and attention to the women's division. Um, but as you said, you got, uh, 20 other women that they've already been there. They've already been working for you. So, you know, it's kind of a slap in the face to reward somebody that just got here. And that's but, no knock on AEW, honestly, because WWE does it no. too. They'll yeah. they'll bring in, you know, that they'll have these these guys work their butts off, and then they'll bring somebody in who maybe hadn't been there for a part timer, and yeah. then just completely decimate their. It's like you've grown grown these guys up, and then you bring somebody in who's just going to win. I mean, yeah, it's it's great for the pops and the fans love it, but it's like, what does it really do for that talent once that person leaves? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's good for in the short term, but in the long term, you know, what does it do? And I think, I think in the short term, I think Ruby will come in, she'll challenge, she'll lose, and then then we're gonna see her character development through her her tenure with AEW, on her way back up to challenging for the women's title. Yeah. Um. And I and I think, honestly, at, at the amount of talent that they have, I think they could probably add either another a mid card title or a tag title. And it wouldn't be an oversaturation. I think it would give them another opportunity to develop and give TV time to some of these women that that don't usually get it. Um, and I think that could be, you know, beneficial in the long term as well. But but I but like you said, yeah, I I, I have mixed emotions on on a lot of things, and th- and that's one of them. I, I really don't like. I I mean, I was okay with it when Brian Cage did it because he wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like he was from WWE. He was just the newest guy. Um, he came in and won a ladder match, um, but but yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of debut and win. Um, now having having that having that said though, I am happy for Ruby. She yeah. I think she was very underutilized, and now she's going to be able to show what what she's capable of because she's a very very good wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that she is getting. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a catch twenty two there because you know you you yeah. want to see the homegrown AEW talent put to the side. But then again, you see a woman who was, who has been underutilized, who got her name yeah. out there on that WWE platform, finally being able to show what she can do. So, yep. yeah, I agree. Like you said, there's, there's, there's something to be said for both sides of that. And I think, I think it's a fair argument on both sides of it. Um, seventh match on the card uh, was the blow off of the Chris Jericho, uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman feud. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman was three and O versus Chris Jericho. Jericho decided to leverage his career against a 
last match, or I'm sorry, he tried to leverage his career to get a last match with uh, MJF. And um, this was, it was really good. Um, You know, MJF did a high spot early on in the match, uh, tried to do a backflip onto Jericho. Jericho caught him and hit basically a pop-up powerbomb onto the uh, ring apron. And, uh, you know, shout out to Kevin Owens. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, and then basically the the story of the match was, uh, you know, Jericho had a pre-existing forearm injury that Maxwell was trying to, uh, lock in his um, salt of the earth uh, arm arm bar on, and then uh, Jericho was working to try to get the walls or the uh, lion tamer on the Maxwell to get him to tap out. Uh, there was a great reverse dusty finish, and if you don't know what a dusty finish is, it's uh, what Dusty Rhodes would book all the time was where a face champion would look like they had won, and then it would get reversed on some technicality, and the heel would retain their title or go on to win the match or whatever. Um, in this match, uh, Chris Jericho's uh, shoulders were counted down to three, despite his foot being on the rope. Another referee came down and acknowledged it. They restarted the match, and then uh, Jericho trapped uh, MJF in the Lion Tamer and continued his career as La Champion and got his first win over MJF. Um, I don't know what you saw of it. I thought it was I thought it was a terrific match. Um, well, you know, I, 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 I like to the beginning of it. I know MJF came out. He did the Chris Jericho countdown. Yeah, that was cool. Also, say with Jericho, uh, and then the graphic came up said Chris Jericho's like. I mean, this guy's just be it was just a real dick. I mean, and that's yeah. just, he's the kind of perfect heel in, in pro wrestling. Oh uh, yeah, but I, and then I know that Jericho came up with a guy playing uh, the guitar on the stage and. Mm-hmm. his judas song so I, I just thought i just thought the beginning of it was pretty funny yeah no that was it was the perfect type of trolling and, and like if you follow uh mjf on social media or see him in like media interview he never breaks character um it's it's like he is 100 percent kayfabe all the time and um and it, it's it's very entertaining i mean he can he can really push the envelope sometimes but he's not one of these guys that's trying to be a cool heel like he's trying to be a dick, and he does a great job at it. And uh, it was it was nice to see him get his comeuppance. And um, you know, obviously, you know, on our last show, I think I said there's not really a world where I want to see Chris Jericho beat him, but under the circumstances, I think it had to happen. And um, and I, I'm glad to glad to see him continue his career with AEW. And um, and obviously, like I said, it was it was a really fun match, and it was good. And and like you said. A lot, of, a lot of entertaining, you know, the beginning was entertaining with the Chris Jericho's last match. And then the, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they just marked uh, 22 years since he debuted on Raw in Chicago. Um, so the uh, the complete uh, completion of that is kind of a kind of a fun thing. Um, but well, uh, I, thought, I thought it was kind of I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about how sometimes the wins and losses don't matter as the performance. If anything, exactly. just put over. Um, MJF even more. What's interesting, you said that Jericho was well. He, MJF was three and zero against Jericho. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I read a statistic online where now MJF is zero and three at pay per views. <laughs> Ooh, so I did not know that. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I know he lost to Moxley, and I know he lost to Jericho, and and then they lost the uh, yeah. double or not or not the uh, Stadium Stampede at Double or Nothing. So. Yeah, he's not having a good pay-per-view run, is he? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, 
in this one and the and the following match, um, uh, basically, yeah, it was the the young lion and the and the old vet and. Like you said, in that in that instance, in that circumstance, the wins and loss didn't matter because the young guy looked amazing. Yeah. And um, so just to move into the next one, and this really should have been the co-main event of the night, and I don't know why it wasn't, and it kind of pisses me off a little bit, but either way, um, CM Punk made his return to wrestling and defeated Darby Allen in a fantastic singles match. Um. It was it was a slow build. There wasn't a lot of high spots. It was definitely less of a car crash than a normal Darby Allen match. Um, but Punk really, really let Darby get most of the offense in. And um, I thought it made him look like a million bucks. And, and actually, uh, I shared it on our Facebook page, but Sting actually went as far as to say CM Punk did for Darby what Ric Flair did for, for Sting when they had their 45-minute draw. Um, in their initial pay-per-view match. And uh, I, I thought that was a big uh, compliment for, for punk. And um, it, it was just, I think it really served them well. And they, they paid some homage to, uh, to a uh, Sean Waltman, uh, Bret Hart match from back in the day. I mean, there was a lot of just cool stuff in, in that they built into that match. Um, well, and, I think. And, punk... and, and again, it's just like, you know, like with the Jericho match, yeah, Jericho went over, punk went over, but, it, it, it is still it's it's not squashing the younger guys. It's still making them look no. good, even even in defeat. I mean that's why I didn't have a problem with with either one of those those results of those matches. That's what the results. On, you don't want to have CM Punk lose his first match back in Chicago of all places. No, and, you know, and, and it was the right finish uh, to his feud with MJF. Yeah, exactly. And, and like and and like I you know like we talked about Ruby Soho. Um, I can see both sides of the argument here, but but in the short term what they're trying to accomplish in AEW, they need to have credibility. You're not going to have credibility just by having your guys come in and dominate, you know, these veterans. Right. You, you need to have a good balance to it. This isn't, you know, CM Punk didn't come out of retirement, you know, not retirement, but come out of seven years and challenge for the world title. Um, you know, he's helping build up the younger people on the roster. I think, He's probably going to either feud with Ricky Starks or Powerhouse Hobbs next to elevate them from Team Taz. Um, so I think this is the right way to go. You have to have those veterans get wins in your organization to help give credibility to the people that are challenging them. Um, I think it's a, you know, and in every, you know, we want everything now culture. I think it's, it's, we're going to have to, it's going to pay off in the long term. It's not, it's a short term. Uh, solution to get a long-term result is basically what I'm trying to is the long long-winded way of what I'm trying to say. Did, what uh, what highlights did you see of this match, Jesse? Um, honestly, I haven't really seen any highlights of this match yet. I'm sorry, okay. I'm come a little behind on that, but it's okay. From, from what I read, it was a pretty great match. I mean, Punk looked pretty crispy. Mm -hmm. You know, really hasn't hasn't lost a step. Um, I guess there's a few things he he did that was just you know, minor mix-ups, but that he'll, he could yeah. easily recover from. So, you know, it's his first match back in seven years. You got, you got to give the guy a little bit. Yeah. Of yeah and I think conditioning is going to be a thing for him, um, you know, getting back into the swing of things, but, but I don't, I don't see that being a long-term problem. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's in it for the long haul. He's excited. And, um, you know, right now he's, you know, to use another, you know, um, analogy, you know, right now, 
usually CM Punk was a was a Bob Dylan. He was always wanting to try something different, or he's always willing to try something different to evolve. He like Chris Jericho does. Whereas, you know, you have these other guys that just play the oldies. You got you know your your Kiss Kiss band that comes out and plays Detroit Rock City all the time. Well, yeah. right now Punk's in Punk's in Kiss mode. He's yeah. playing all the oldies, but I think as you know when he gets going he gets confident in himself again and he gets his feet underneath him i think he's going to be more bob dylan and that's not to say anything about anyone's musical choices i i get it <laughs> but but you you get the analogy yeah i mean it's like you said i mean chris is a kiss is a great band they're the greatest i mean to me they're one of the greatest bands ever yeah. but punk's in that mode where you know it's like something old becomes new again and that's yeah, kind of exactly. what we got with with cm punk's debut match i mean i'm yeah. looking forward to seeing i mean aew they're they're in a they're in a pretty prime spot right now especially with with what happened you know with the last yeah. match but the, the match that goes on before that is one we won't spend a lot of time on paul nope. white qt marshall i guess it was quick squash match to put over paul white which i don't see the reason at this point to put paul white over but it is what it is i guess on that yeah i would rather this not even been on the pay-per-view um and I really don't have anything else I want to say about it. Um, <laughs> the main event of the night was Kenny Omega, the uh, AEW world champion, defending against Christian Cage, the Impact world champion. Um, another great match between these guys. They had a really good one on the uh, debut episode of Rampage, um, where Christian won the Impact title from uh, Kenny Omega. So Christian was undefeated in AEW competition. Coming into this match, uh, it was a little bit overbooked, um, but it, it, the finish was fantastic. Uh, Christian went for a uh, avalanche uh, kill switch, and Kenny actually reversed it into an avalanche one wing angel, and that was all she wrote because no one kicks out of the one wing angel. So, um, well, you kind of knew what the result would be. I mean, it, yeah. it's not about really about what the result, but the aftermath. I mean, when 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 Christian won the uh, impact title from Omega, you knew Omega was keeping the AEW title. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was kind of a, a, a given. And, and I think, I think the long-term plan there, is, uh, Kenny eventually loses that title to his tag team partner, uh, his former tag team partner. Tar- oh man, I can't talk. His former <laughs> tag team partner, hangman, Adam page, um, who's actually out on a, a personal leave right now because he just, uh, his wife just had a baby, so um, I think that was. I would, I would love to see. I would love to see Christian actually. I know he'll probably be an impact to drop the title there, but I would love to. Hopefully, maybe his AEW deal is a short term deal. I'd love to see him go back to WWE and reform yeah. with Edge. Edge is having the run of his life right now. Yeah, on on a, on a singles run, but I think one more run with him and Christian to maybe to end his career would be nice. But that's just wishful thinking. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I could see it happening. I don't think he burned any bridges. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, and he didn't, he's not coming out and saying FWWE. I think it's just, you know, they, I don't know if they were going to let him work. And I think he found a place that would. And, and it wasn't, you know, not because it was dangerous, but because, you know, it, it was, you know, we've heard that from several guys where it's like, yeah, they just weren't going to use me. Um, you know, originally that's what, what they were telling Joe. And, you know, now we see how that's changed as well. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm okay with whatever Christian wants to do. He's a great wrestler. And I think he's one of the most underrated talents that we, that we have today. And, uh, I'm happy to see him back too. I mean, just as happy as I am to see edge, you know, coming back and kicking ass. I'm happy to see Christian doing the same. Um, 
So after the match, uh, Kenny Omega went on this long promo about how he's the greatest and he could beat any of your superstars alive or dead. And the dead was uh, alluding to they killed off Hangman Page or not. They didn't kill off Hangman Page. They killed off Adam Cole on the uh, Being the Elite show, which they they really overestimate the amount of people that watch Being the Elite that also watch the weekly program. Um, but, but besides that point. So he said, you know, alive or dead, and then that's when Adam Cole came out. It, look, it looked originally like Cole was going to challenge Omega, and then Cole actually super kicked Jungle Boy in the face and uh, joined with the Elite. So um, now it's uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, uh, the Good Brothers, and Adam Cole that are the Elite in AEW. Um, well, I, I so- actually saw some of Cole's um- – promo i mean he's become a good promo man i mean ever since yeah. he started in nxt he's become one of the yeah one of the best i know he did a promo saying that the elite is the most dominant group so it basically it's he's, he's getting another faction like he was with undisputed era and then saying yeah no chance in hell anybody's going to stop them yeah man's theme song so yeah i thought that was had fun. a little few digs in there but um so, oh go ahead oh no i was gonna say we're at about 50 minutes here so um I don't know if you want to take a break or if you want to just uh, finish up here. I, it's up to you. But um, but one thing I did, I wanted to add, um, I, I just read today um, that the original plan for Adam Cole on the main roster, this is according to Dave Meltzer, so take it with a grain of salt. But the original plan was for him to be a manager for Keith Lee. Yeah, Wait, I read I read that right before we started doing the podcast. I'm like, well, no wonder he didn't want to resign. Yeah. Like, I don't – here, can you give away the prime of your career so you can be a manager? Like, right. I don't – oh, God. So, anyway, so that all is going on. The Elite is having their own circle jerk in the middle of the ring. And Flight of the Valkyries plays, and out comes the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, which I will mess up a billion times because his, his name for so many years – has been Daniel Bryan, and I don't yeah. blame James Ross on that one. <laughs> so uh, he came out and uh, had a, you know, kind of cleared the ring with uh, Jungle Boy and Christian and all of them to uh, to end the pay per view and send everybody happy on a uh, on a high note. Um, so if you if you want, we can take a quick break and we can talk about uh, we can wrap things up and talk about the WWE at all and um, all that good stuff overall. Um, before we go to break, I, I would I'd give the show about a seven, seven out of ten, which I think is what I gave right. SummerSlam. It was about on par with SummerSlam in my eyes. Um, I've seen it rated a lot higher by people online, but I, I feel like that's maybe not being very objective. Um, but but my objective score for it would be a seven out of ten. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen enough to feel like you can give a rating or not. Uh, I'd probably give it about an eight. I mean, when you have three outstanding matches like the Steel Cage match, Sam mm-hmm. Punk's debut match, and then that main event. Yeah, uh, you're, I mean, you're you're on par to have just just an excellent pay per view. So just okay. just based off those three matches, I I kind of bump it up to an eight. Okay, I can see that. All right, Jesse, I'm gonna uh, call you back here in just a second, and we'll take a quick break, and then we'll talk a little bit about WWE stuff, and then we'll be done for the day. All right, sounds good, buddy. All right, buddy. All right, Jesse, we're back from our break. Uh, we just wrapped up. Uh, our all out review. And um, so now we wanted to talk about some WWE stuff. So 
I'll let you take it over. I've talked a lot since uh, <laughs> for the review here. So, no, I, I want to say, um, yeah, it, it's like I said at the beginning of, of our the last show we just did. Um, AEW is really starting to pick up some steam. They're starting to pick up some track some traction. I hope it's not a too soon approach where mm-hmm. you know they're bringing in all this stuff, all this talent, and then, like I said, no TV ta- no TV time. Things just you know get really high and then start to stoop down low. I mean, I want to see them be good, direct competition for WWE because that's only going to make WWE want to get better. You know, especially right. if AEW starts to beat them. We can say all, all day long ratings don't matter. To us, the fans, they don't. But to no. the companies, they do because they gauge that on who's watching their product and who isn't. So, I mean, yeah, to, to say ratings don't matter, it, it, no, we, we can't say that because they do. Yeah, you know, I mean, Vince McMahon is looking at that. I'm sure Tony Khan is looking at that. Okay, who's watching our product? Who's watching it live and not just on a delay? All right. You know, is there anything must see that people feel like they need to see it live? Like with SmackDown this coming week is coming from Madison Square Garden. They beef the show up, and I guarantee you, they want to see a big rating for that show. Right. They've got Edge versus Seth Rollins SummerSlam rematch. They got Brock Lesnar returning. They got the contract signing between. Lynch and Belair, which I fully expect Lynch to go full heel on this show. So they're really beefing this this show up to get a, a, a good rating to make to what people want to watch it live. But the yeah. issue that I'm seeing is the fact that WWE did all these mass releases of people, and now it's to the point where the people that they have don't even want to resign with the company. They lost Daniel Bryan, did not resign. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole did not resign. Uh, Christian didn't sign with them when he, when he had the chance to. It's like the the talent, and then and now there's reports that Kevin Owens' contract is up in January, and he may be AEW bound as well. He may not resign. Yeah, so I'd seen that. There is a problem within WWE right now to where people now don't want to be there. Mick Foley made a post the other day, and some of his stuff, man, he's out to lunch with some stuff, and all there's a lot of stuff I do not agree with him on at all. Right. But I had to agree with him on this point where he said. There's a problem in WWE because the talent no longer want to be there. You don't have great creative to give them great things. They're afraid they may not be there long. They could lose their job. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. WWE gives a great platform to people. All these talents that were released, I don't think they should be bad-mouthing WWE for the simple point. People would not even know who they were if it hadn't been for WWE. Yeah, the, the E gives them their platform. They gave CM Punk a platform. I didn't know who he was before he joined WWE. So we mm-hmm. didn't have that leverage that he has now. If he had not joined WWE before, I don't think. Same thing no. with Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole. They would not have this kind of leverage if they had not gone through WWE first. So I mean that they gave them their platform, but at right. the same time, they don't want to get overlooked. They don't want to get buried. They don't want to get embarrassed and. And they feel like now since they got that, that talent stock, they can go elsewhere. Like Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan did not – they didn't dog WWE and they left. They said they had a yeah. great, great time there. That it, it gave them their platform. Punk still – Scott, you know, he's still a little bitter. But all, yeah. all in well, all, I mean, they, you know, they realized that WWE gave them the platform to have leveraging power with, with other companies. I don't know how, how you feel about that. No, and I, I, I agree. Um, I think 100%, um, you know, especially – some of these people, um, you know, and I, I don't want to like individual, you know, pick out individuals or anything like that. But you got people out there like, you know, Chelsea Green and, and uh, you know, other people like that that are just constantly 
you know, running their mouth about things and Carl Anderson, he's a, he's the one that's been doing. Yeah, it. he's been bad too. Um, and and it's it's like I, I get it. I get it to a point. You know, I, I get being upset. I get being, you know, especially like with like uh, Kurt Hawkins slash Brian Myers. I get him being pissed off because he just had a kid and then he got fired. Yeah. Um, and I, I get that. And like Punk, I kind of give a pass to because he had literal legal action against him because of some some botched medical stuff. Um, I get why he's pissed off. Um, and he got fired on his wedding day. So I can kind of understand yeah. that, you know, I can understand those things about it. But like you said, they're in the, in the, the big shift that we're seeing in WWE, uh, them not signing indie talent is a, is a direct response to the fact that these guys have gone into WWE, gone through that system and then made themselves more valuable to go back out on the independent scene and make more money. That's why WWE is changing its business model. That's why Nick Khan's like, no, we're not signing any more independent talent. We're going to sign these, you know, Gable Stevenson, who's never been a professional wrestler in his life before, to come in here. And, you know, I think, you know, that that era of, you know, the really great NXT, you know, the Sami Zayn's, the Cesaro's, the, you know, Cassius Ono's, the, you know, you know, all those Adam Cole's, those guys, I think it's, I think we're going to see the end of it. And I think it's a direct response to, you know, they don't want to keep giving value to these guys that can go out and, you know, make make more money on their own and not have WWE in control of what they're doing. Um, so I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I, you know, I think I think there's a there should be a mutual recognition there. Um, you know, WWE doesn't really badmouth talent, you know, when they're done with them. And, I, you know, I think to a certain degree that people shouldn't say, you know, negative things when they leave. But I, I don't blame them for leaving. Um, at this point, I completely understand it. Well, it's the fact that, yeah, okay, they can leave, but but they have more name recognition now. They have yeah. val- they have leveraging power that they didn't have before. So it's like you could look at being fired as a bad thing, but it's like, well, shit, now my name's out there. People know who yeah. I am. I have leveraging power. Maybe I can get something better. And I yeah. think what these people need to be looking at is, well, now I can get something better. I got my name out there. WWE gave me yeah. the platform to get my name out there. Now I can make money. Well, and, and you got to think about how much of it is, is a legitimate gripe or legitimate complaint and how much of it is, uh, you know, trying to find a niche with a new audience. Um, you know, and, and, and there's people out there that are, you know, every F everything WWE. So, if you come out talking about how great it was to have your dream job and work for that and stuff in character, you know, those people are not going to like you. Um, and, you know, you, you need them to either want them to, you know, see you get your ass kicked or want them to see you kick someone's ass. So um, you can't have them be apathetic about you. So I think I think that's part of I think that's the character motivation for that. Individually, I think probably all these people acknowledge that, um, that WWE made them bigger than what they were. But I think, I think a lot of it is just to continue to, uh, stoke those, you know, F WWE, you know, people to keep them buying tickets and keep them engaged. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the bigger thing is, and, and that's kind of what we talked about is, you know, this, this quote unquote war, this, you know, you know, 
going back and forth, whatever, you know, whatever justifies your superiority complex, just stop. Like, who gives a shit? Like, I don't, you know, I I don't compare. I mean, what other television shows are there that they're like, oh, shit, ER was way better than Chicago Medical. Like, no, it's stupid. Like, it's a television show. Like, I don't I don't know why people get like they have to like diet into their wool of their fabric of their being to to make it like a big thing like who cares like it's it's whatever entertains you it's up to the individual um you know on a on a given week i i will watch AEW. i will watch impact i'll watch nxt i'll watch smackdown i usually don't watch raw but it's because i work mondays pretty much my entire life you know work monday nights um well, see, I, I, the benefit of watching Raw after it's taped is that is that I can get through. I can usually get through it in about an hour and a half to two hours once I fast forward through all the BS. Yeah, no. But, yeah, I mean, but but my point, I like when Daniel Bryan said, "Okay, Bryan Anderson did not resign." Mm-hmm. One of the reasons he didn't was because, and I could see it from his point of view, but I could also see it as him being a little bit delusional. <laughs> He said that, you know, Vince, he had a great relationship with the company. He was on the SmackDown creative team. But Vince Mm. McMahon was maybe a little too overprotective of him in the fact that he didn't want him doing the Daredevil stuff, the kind of stuff before his neck injuries, where AEW is going to give him that freedom to do that. Now, I'm thinking to myself, is that really a responsible thing to do? This man now has, he's had, he's had to retire once due to a neck injury. He's older now. He has a wife and two kids to look after. Should he should he really be allowed to do the kind of stuff he did earlier yeah. in his career? Because AEW is going to give him the leeway to do that, and that's on AEW as well. Because if they don't put some kind of a and this is what I was talking about earlier with them not reeling in the talent enough, mm. if somebody it's going to take somebody getting seriously hurt or killed for them to change their model on that, and I don't want to see that happen. Yeah, no, I, I don't I, know what I agree on that. I think he should be a little bit more responsible with the fact that he's got a wife and kids now to think about. It's not just him anymore. No, and I, I agree with that. I mean, being being a father and a, and a husband, I, I totally see that side of that argument. Uh, you know, especially as, especially in your later years, you really have to think about everything you do. Is not it doesn't just impact you. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of like, and and this is something I used to kill uh, TNA for. You know, they hired, you know, drug addicts. They hired, you know, Jeff Hardy, you know, while he was facing a, a criminal a federal uh, drug smuggling charge. Uh, they hired Kurt Angle when he was so doped up, he didn't know where he was. Um, you know, and, 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 and in a lot of ways, it, it can be as equally responsible to, to let a guy that has a health problem continue to do things that could jeopardize that health. Um, so I, I absolutely see that part of the argument and I see, you know, and I think, I think AEW not having the stockholders and the shareholders to, uh, answer to like a WWE does. I think that gives them a little more freedom in that regard, but I don't think that they should use it irresponsibly to basically to, to, to respond to your, to your, uh, point there. Yeah. Like like I said, I don't want to see him die in the ring. Or no. get seriously uh, paralyzed because no, he he wants to be able to do what he did. I get it, man. He he wants he doesn't want to get older. He he wants to feel that that energy. But there's a point where your body just says no. You cannot yeah. do this. Yeah, and, and and that's you know you know we're 
older guys. Um, you know, there comes a point where you got to listen to your head instead of your pride. Um, yeah. you know, and, and there's a time where you just go, I can't do that anymore. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but you know, there's guys out there that are just too hard headed to do that. And then they end up in the ICU. Um, so, and like I said, I, I don't ever want to see anybody get hurt for my entertainment. Um, that's not, that's not what this is about. You know, you know, I, I like football too, but that's in its own, you know, context. Yeah. Like that, you know, that's an athletic competition, you know, whereas this is a show. I mean, you know, for lack of a better term, it's a it's a soap opera stunt show. And, you know, I don't want to see people actually hurt to to do that, uh, to, to entertain me. Um, so. So, to, yeah, to your point, you know, definitely, I think AEW is like, look, you can't be doing these this diving shit. Um, you know, we've seen what that ha- what happens with that, you know, and eventually you and I are going to do that, that. uh uh, crime podcast, so we could talk about Chris Benoit. I just I keep putting it off. Um, well, no, and, and to your point, I was going to bring that up is the fact that yeah. I think Vince has been really, um, really, really, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reserved when it comes mm-hmm. to that because of what happened with Chris Benoit. Because Chris mm-hmm. Benoit continued to still do things where he was already screwed. Up. Yeah. He was continuing to do things with his head, and it really just. It led to that. It led to bad publicity. It led to just a bad situation all around. Mr. Yeah. McMahon did not want to go through that again. So that yeah. I think that's why he was reeling in Brian because I think he really did care about Brian Danielson. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I think any any good boss would, and and you know, and I I hope to see, you know, I hope that's not the case with Tony Khan that he's you know an uncaring person. I I don't know enough about him to know. Um, I know that he's you know. He's very close to his talent, and he's very, uh, you know, open and receptive of things. But, but I think you know, there's sometimes you know when you own a business, you got to put your foot down. And um, you know, I hope that he, you know, makes makes them make responsible choices. Um, but, but I, you know, like I said, I can't control that. But I, I certainly it would change my inter- my enjoyment of the program to to see someone get hurt. Right. Because yeah. Because they they. And and then you know you talk about Ruby Riot made, made her her debut. It's like they've got all all this talent that they released, and then they got talent that they don't want to resign because they just they want to focus on on just the same people all the time, or they want to focus on yeah. on advertisers' dollars. They want to focus on what's going to build them toys, like we talked about with Carrion Cross. Yeah, that's going to sell a toy. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, he has been completely neutered from where he was in NXT. It's sad to see, honestly. Yeah, no, it. I was I was just thinking about that today. Like they just released a shirt that was like, it's like uh, like an ashy color, and then like it's got this badass picture of cross on it, scarlets on it, and you know there's a clock in the background, and there's crows and all, and like it's got it looks like a like an Ed Hardy shirt, you know, fucked a WWE shirt, but um, but I was like, none of that's relevant anymore because now he's a fake gladiator from the 1950s. Yeah. He's got a strainer on his head, and he's got, <laughs> he's got a grill in front of his face, and he wears a like a gladiator getup, and it's just it's startling how far how far he's fallen so fast, and and it's, he hasn't changed anything about his in ring work, but it's the the perception of him has changed completely. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then then you talk about a guy like Adam Cole who was, you know, in my eyes, I see him like a a Shawn Michaels. He's not a big guy, but he's charismatic as hell, and he can go in the ring. And you want to make him a a manager and and be a mouthpiece in in the prime of his career? Like I don't, I don't get that. So, no, I, I don't either. I mean, and just some more inside information for people that don't know. Me and my wife last week we went to Cleveland for our for it was for her vacation. So we went down first to we went to the Football Hall of Fame down in Canton, which you've never been. Great mm-hmm. place to go. And then we stopped halfway between in Akron to get a hotel for the night, and then we went to the Cleveland Hall of Fame afterwards. Well, I knew that Johnny Gargano's father owned a pizzeria down in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. We found it, and we it was just it was one of those experiences. Like I, I really got to meet his dad and talk to his dad. And it That's was awesome. Just so, it was so damn cool. But I, 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 you know, he he was talking a little bit about you know with Gar- I guess Gargano's um, contract is up in December. Mm-hmm. He may be AEW bound after December, depending on what they want to do with him in NXT. Wow. I know coaches and trainers don't get paid as much. I think. I think Champa's a lifer. I think he'll end up maybe yeah. becoming a coach down there. But Gargano may split. I know he, he shared some pictures on Instagram of him and Cole together. I know yeah. they're good friends. So he may be another that may be AEW bound first of the year. And, you know, it's just the, the WWE creative problem I was talking about. Cole was offered a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. He was offered like a three- or four-year deal, million-dollar deal. But the caveat was – they could really submit any time and that they wanted him to be sort of a manager. And I yeah. think it was, I think he was already out with his one foot out the door because he is good friends with the young bucks and Kenny Omega and his girlfriend is there. Yeah. But I think that really just signified to him that, okay, they're not going to do anything with me on the main roster. They don't, they don't want a guy my size. It's time for me to move on. Yep. No. And I, I, I think that's, I think that's the logical choice. I mean, like you said, I mean, you've said it a million times in our own personal car, you know, money isn't everything. And, you know, at the end of the day, are you going to be happy that you gave up your prime years to be a, be a mouthpiece or do you want to go work with your friends and have a chance to build something that's never been built before? Um, and I think that's, that's the opportunity that they're looking at. And, um, you know, and, and I, I, you know, even to go further than that, and this is something that I thought, you know, when we, you know, after SummerSlam, when uh, Brock Lesnar came back, you know, they can justify, you know, making these financial cuts. They can justify cutting a guy like Bray Wyatt, who we probably will see debut in AEW sooner than later as Wyndham. Um, it seems to be the rumor going around, at least. Um but you cut that guy who sells merchandise, who's there every week, but you spend how much money to bring in Brock Lesnar for eight matches? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't know if you're going to get that return on investment. I, I, I just I don't see it. I don't see how that how that helps your business. And, but but you cut all these people that are there every day that you don't you can't figure out anything to do with. I just I, I don't I don't get it. It's it's just. It's like square peg, round hole for me. I, I just don't see why this isn't working, I guess. Well, and, and it's the whole thing, too, with, you know, the whole Becky Lynch scenario. I mean, yeah, she returned to a great ovation, but then they yeah. had her go over the way she did with Bianca. It's like one step forward, two steps back. I mean, Bianca, yeah. I think, will, considering the way they're building the story, they're building it well. 
mm-hmm. they're building it to make Bianca a super sympathetic baby face. Yeah. If that's the goal out of this, then I can be a little partial to, okay, I can see it, but I still don't agree with them yeah. giving Lynch the title after one move. Yeah. So, but I think Bianca can come out of this. I, I think that she's starting to. I watched SmackDown this past week, and she was getting some great face pops. Yeah. And I think the full heel turn for Lynch is going to come with that contract signing to get Bianca over even more. I, I see the point of the story is to get Bianca over even more. Yeah. We went about a different route of doing it, I guess. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, uh, you know, I, me- I remember originally when they tried to turn Becky heel before she went super hot with the man stuff. Um, it didn't work. It was also because she was turning heel against Charlotte. It was somebody that we had had rammed down our throats forever. I mean, even at that point, it felt like forever. It still feels like forever. But, uh, you know, Becky turned on her and everybody was like, yes, we cannot fucking stand. I've said that for twice today. I apologize, everybody. We cannot stand Charlotte anymore. And when Becky turned on her, everybody turned with her. And but with Bianca, I mean, she's sympathetic as hell. She's likable. She's not been on the main roster that long. I think it's the perfect person for them to try to have Becky as a foil for. And, and, I, and, and I think they want to do this right this time. I think they want to yeah. make sure that Becky turns heel. So they're doing everything yeah. in their power to ensure that the fans will turn against her. This was all Becky's yeah. idea. She wanted to be heel. Yeah. So they're going to try their best, everything they can, to make sure that the fans do not cheer her. They want to make her as, as yeah. evil and as selfish as possible. So I can see where they're going with it. I just wish they'd, they'd gone another route of doing it. Yeah, no, and, and and that's one thing, um, you know, I I can't give Roman enough, you know, credit or praise. Um, you know, I know there's people in the internet community that, that will disagree with that, and that's that's fine, whatever. But, um, you know, he's, the crowd has accepted him as a heel, and not just as a heel, but as a mega heel. Um, he's not getting the cool guy pops, even though he's doing such a fantastic job of being heel. And, um I think, you know, that just speaks to how much he's grown as a, as a performer. And I think, you know, one thing that WWE needs to get back to is, is, you know, getting that crowd to work the way they want them to go. Um, for so long, the crowd has, you know, kind of just done whatever the hell they felt like. And, you know, that, that hurts your product. Um, so I think, like you said, you know, getting these, these heel turns or these face turns that the crowd accepts um, is going to help the product in the long run. Well, Be- Becky used Roman Reigns' turn as motivation to want to be a heel, to want to because yeah. she's seeing the great work that he's doing as a heel. She wants to get to that level, so she's yeah. she's doing it for her own career as well. But she's also helping Bianca in the process, and I think that's that's telling of a talent that can get themselves over and the person they're working with as well. Yeah, I, no, think, that's... I think Becky could be one of the hottest heels in the business. She's already one of the hottest stars in the business after just coming back. But I think she could be yeah. one of the hottest heels and have just a, a super feud with with Bianca. And, and speaking of, you know, the WWE, WWE problem where they just have to not make it. And, I, and maybe they're doing it on purpose where they're making it not seem invitable for the indie wrestlers to want to come to WWE, that they're making it known. no. We really don't want you guys. This is what can happen. But it, it, again, it's just the, the wrong approach that they're using. And another thing yeah. is, is, is Tony Storm. She debuted on the show. She's barely been on there. She's 
one of the greatest women's wrestlers ever, and they're they're not utilizing her. And maybe it's because they they're giving more steam to this Lynch Belair program, and they'll put Storm in afterwards. But I just think they're they really need to put her out there more for people that yeah. don't know who she is. Now, I know Bailey uh, says <laughs> she wants to work with Storm when she gets back, but uh, Bailey's going to be on the shelf for a while. Um, but you know, Tony got to put over that she was had the hots for Rick Boogs last week, so. She's got that going for her, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick Boogs is the man, though. I mean, I, the, yeah. he's hilarious. I mean, he's one he's, guy that he just oozes charisma. I mean, yeah, he I, does. he's just, he, he's a good wrestler. He's a power wrestler, but he is very, very charismatic and just oozes charisma. And I could definitely see them putting him and Tony Storm together as some kind of an act. Yeah, I can see that. His, uh, so I read today that they gave him 24 hours to learn Shinsuke Nakamura's uh, uh, theme on the on the guitar, and then um, so that's amazing that he could do that. And then um, yeah, just the I mean he rocks a denim singlet and like he just the guy's hilarious. Um, if you haven't seen him on SmackDown, him and Nakamura are just it was a it was a great like oddball pairing, but they're they're doing a great job, and um, it's uh, you know. You know, sarcastic comment aside about Tony Storm, um, you know, that's exactly, you know, when, when, like I've always said, when WWE gets it right, they get it absolutely right. It's just the times that they get it wrong really resonate. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and like I said, she's just, she, she's an awesome wrestler. She's a great wrestler. She had some great feuds in NXT UK with Rhea Ripley and, and Kaylee Ray. And yeah, it, it, it's just a point where, WWE just wants to continue to push. I think Nakamura was on his way out the door. I think yeah. he was getting ready to go to New Japan, and I think that's why he's getting this renewed push because yeah. he is so popular with the fans, and I don't think WWE wants to lose him. So they wanted to give him a mouthpiece because his English isn't the greatest. Right. So putting him with Boogs was just – it was it was an excellent idea. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so, well, Jesse, I think I've got – uh, all I needed to put in for today. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to add to the show here? Or you already put a bow on it. Yeah, I just, I just want to say that you know, I'm, I'm hoping we're not seeing. I think AEW is coming on, and they're coming on fast. And WWE mm-hmm. needs to realize this, and they need to to up their game, or otherwise, it could be it'll be a few years. But AEW could completely take a, I, WWE will always have their audience with. Yeah, and that's another thing is you're going towards two different types of audiences. AEW seems to be more for the hardcore wrestling fan. Yeah, where WWE is more for the kids and families. Yeah, which was a model that used to work back in the day, but that's the reason WCW started kicking their ass in the '90s because they went to that model. When they got a grittier edge to them, they came mm-hmm. out on top, and that's what I think they need to do again to not come out on top, but that get on that, that right range where it really gives people an option of which show that they want to watch is, is I guess my point I was trying to get to. Yeah, no. And I think you're right. I mean, and I think, you know, I I think there's, it's going to be a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. And, you know, and, and unfortunately the, the need to feel superior or whatever you want to call it is, is really kind of sucking the fun out of, you know, a really relatively good period of wrestling we're having here. Um, you know, there's something for everybody right now, but, but, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's 
detracting when you get on, you know, I get on Twitter to, to manage our page and it's just like, blah, blah, blah. AEW sucks because of this. WWE sucks because of this. And it's like, just shut up. Like, yeah. just enjoy it for what it is because, you know, there's boom and bust in this business. We've seen it, you know, at, at least four times since I was like a kid. Um, you know, you just oh, it, to... it's, it's, I think we're definitely seeing another boom period with all this wrestling yeah. you got out there. And people need to strike while the iron is hot. WWE definitely needs to strike while mm-hmm. the iron is hot. Get their product back up there again. Maybe, and maybe they can be at the, the, the glory of their heydays again. I don't want to see them to the point where they're a monopoly again. I don't want to see them put other companies out of business. No. I just want to see them be able to have good, healthy competition that makes them better than what they currently are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, I think that's the most reasonable thing to say is, you know, I want to see all of these companies continue to succeed and continue to build. And, um, you know, we'll see talent go from one to the other. And and I don't know if it'll make that big of a difference. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I want to continue to see the options, the alternatives. And I think that's what's been great about, you know, this, especially this current, you know, hang on a second. This current uh, crop of wrestling is that, you know, it's, there's alternatives. And, you know, that's not something that we had for a while. It was WWE or bust. And um, so, like you said, the, the alternatives have made it made it a more entertaining marketplace for, for well, uh, I wanna, wrestling. I wonder, I wonder how long it's going to take because we've seen now WWE stars going to AEW. When, when, when is going to be the moment when the first AEW star comes to WWE? Yeah. I, I, that's going to be interesting that. to see if that ha- does happen. You know, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see to see that happening, and I mean, and there's a lot of guys on that roster, like we said, you know, Adam Cole, they gave him a huge offer. Uh, I know the Bucks and Omega, I think they got like a seven digit offer to come in together um, before AEW was formed. Um, So it's not that they don't have interest in these people. Now maybe they don't now, um, you know, with the with the business model changing, but um, but I think. You know, if you're trying to downgrade talent from AEW, I mean, I think that's a fool's errand. Um, you know, they have some of the best talent in the world, and just because they're not on WWE's roster doesn't mean anything. Um, but, but like you said, I mean, I, I could see, you know, I can envision a scenario where somebody goes to AEW, makes themselves more valuable, and ends up on the WWE roster. Um, I think that's totally within the realm of possibilities. And, and for and for some reason, I don't know why I keep thinking this, but for some reason. I would think Hangman Page would be the first one to make the jump if he ever did. I could see that. I mean, he's never been through those doors before. Um, you know, the Bucks worked uh, dark matches, and uh, Omega Omega was in OVW for a cup of coffee um, when that was the WWE territory or their developmental territory. So, I, I mean, I could see Hangman being the being the guy to test those waters, and uh, uh, in his size and his ability, um, he would be a good fit to be honest um but uh we'll see what happens and um jesse i'm gonna my throat's <laughs> killing me so i'm gonna let you uh <laughs> get us out of here and uh we'll uh get on with our days here all right well good talk i hope everybody enjoyed the show um like i said we're not just a wwe branded show we're we're about every wrestling yeah. company we spoke about AEW today because we want we want other wrestling companies to succeed yes you know, to get a use analogy that Johnny used earlier, WWE is the McDonald's of the wrestling business, but there are also all these other great chains out there that you know to to try and love as well. So, everybody, uh, yeah. uh, be be careful, be safe, and we will join you back next week with another episode of the Turnbuckle Post.
Good night, everybody. Good night.